Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby the Keg Podcast, episode, episode 504. Carly here with you. Uh, Mitch on the other side of the Zoom, talking early Bucks playoff storylines. We're talking, can the Brewers sustain their success? And then we're also going to talk about what position would make Packers fans happy, what position would make Packers fans want to have a meltdown. Uh, before I'll, I'll ask Mitch how he's doing. What's going on, buddy? How you, how's it going? Doing well. Doing well. What, what do you got for me here? Well, you know, because we were just talking and I was mentioning, <laughs> oh, it's 504. And that's uh, the New Orleans area code. And I'm like, any little Wayne fan, any really most millennials know that that's, you know, that's the uh, the New Orleans area code. Also, if you're a fan of Juvenile, you're a fan of the big timers, like your boy over here. Was Master P. Master P. Make him say, uh, uh. And like, I was a big New Orleans rap guy. Like, Wayne, but even oh. before Wayne, like, I love Juvenile. Love the big timers. Uh, You know, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah, all. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I, I hear you. But I just, I don't really, you know, I don't know Lil Wayne's discography. I mean, I can, I can tell you, Fireman's a good song. That motherfucker's yep. 20 years old, probably. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a, a song called Fly In. It's on the same album where he talks about, I, I'm in the 504. You're going to kill me here. Great song, like a great like workout song. It's just perfect. Um, yeah. But a little hard-o by you with the discography. I mean, not as hot, as much of a hard-o as all these people who are talking about they, them losing their blue checks today on Twitter. But we're we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, I mean, it's a sad day for, for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know Wait. what else to say. Pray for the journey. I, I didn't see a lot of that, but I, I guess I have seen some some commentary on it, and I suppose people are all the big J's out there are are providing their reasons for for their followers why they didn't do it stuff well, like you, that, right? You, you know, Tom Silverstein didn't never misses a moment, um, and and had to well, chime in on that. It's funny because it it really it puts them in hell of a spot because they all want the blue check mark, and but they don't want to support Elon and probably yes. And uh, you know, and then they think that, and this could be true that without the blue check marks, you know, no one's going to know what's real and what's fake. And it's like, well, we already don't anyway. So. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the thing about Twitter blue, which I've been late to, and I'll probably get it here soon is they, they say, according to Musk and Twitter, that if you sign up for Twitter Blue, you'll be part of the For You section, number one. You're going to have increased engagements. You're going to be the first that float up to the top of replies. And what he has said is that's the incentive. And these people are like, oh, I'm not going to get my blue check. I'm not going to get my blue check mark. I will tell you uh, that their social teams, if they work for a big corporation, like Liam McHugh mentioned that he's not getting it. He works for NBC. He works mm-hmm. for Apple TV. Their social teams are going to tell him like, hey, you're you you need this like your engagement's dipping. Um, I already heard Mikey, who was on the podcast earlier this week, had mentioned there are his department, like wherever he works, his social team's already saying like, yeah, you need you need to have your blue check mark because it's gonna help. It's gonna keep your engagement. So it's a little little social media marketing for the people before we get going on the Bucks, right? Uh, yeah, but no, I, I I get it. Yeah, that's why LeBron ca- and also too like. Everyone's waiting for LeBron for keeping it. And it's like, well, of course LeBron paid the money because fucker doesn't want to get like, you know, someone take that account and then start tweeting wild shit on it. 
Like that's yeah, that's right. pretty pretty simple here. So, anyways, the Milwaukee Bucks uh went one and one uh through the first two games of the playoffs. They are they were without Giannis Antetokounmpo in the game on Wednesday night. Uh, no word yet on if Giannis is going to play on Saturday. Uh, we will maybe know a little bit more later today on Friday when the injury reports come out. Uh, but Mitch, in terms of early storylines, whether it's the series, whether it's just overall, like what are what's the thing standing out? Is just the Giannis injury? Is that sort of front and center until it isn't? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's obviously your, you know, your all world superstar and, uh, you know, your should be three time MVP. And um, as we sit here and watch Joel Embiid put on a quite a quite a theatrical performance here. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Oscar um, worthy. Daniel Day Lewis ain't got shit on Joel. Right. So, um, I mean, yeah, it, you know, they look good. They look good on Wednesday without him. I, you know, admittedly, I'm one of the few people that, uh, are on the island of, I mean, if you're healthy play, you know, I get it that you don't want to, but you know, once load management starts creeping in the playoffs, I think we're, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to break through the, the, the glass floor. Yep. I mean, the bar's already low, but well, we, we don't need this guy. Look, I mean, Miami is fucking good. I mean, no, they're not. I mean, are they championship best team in the league? Good. No, but, Look, do do I do I trust anyone on the Bucks as much as I trust Giannis? Hell no. That's right. And I mean, um, look, they shot the ball very well uh, on Wednesday night, and 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 the crowd was fantastic. There was a ton of energy. The team came out with a bunch of energy at the start and blew them out. And it got a little closer than I think I'd certainly would have liked at the end there. Um, because again, the heat just don't miss. Yeah, and... I I didn't agree. I I didn't want to engage on Twitter with you because I knew we were talking tomorrow. I I totally disagreed with you on that because it's pressure off. Nobody's playing defense. This is the Bucks. Yeah, that's true. I don't think there is any any sort of momentum that will carry over. I really don't. And if Duncan Robinson scores twenty, then I will admit that I'm an idiot. But I don't expect it. Duncan Robinson had shit in his diaper for three quarters of that game, and then yeah, that's pressure's that's off. And the shit that's was fair. cleared and he was fine. But like that's fair, no. but he wasn't he wasn't the only one. And I mean I, I'm not saying they're gonna, you know what but I will say that the Heat have shot have shot what over fifty percent both games. Um, uh, probably, but again, like how much I just let me finish. No, I'll go. And, oh sorry, and, I apologize. And and they're not losing a series. Don't don't get this don't get this wrong. But role players and shooting tends to get better when you go home, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean that's not necessarily going to help me sleep tonight, but um, anyway, yeah. So, a couple things I did I had to get out of my system there. No, it's uh, okay. I, I I'd have to. I'd really like to see like what were the heat of that first half, which I don't know how you could get that. I'm sure there's a way. I'm sure there's a website where you could look at like first half stats for Miami in that second game because that's that's the ones to look at, right? Like the second half to me. I wouldn't say it wasn't as important, but I don't think you can glean anything from that second half. Um, you know, the Heat started off hot. They got down to 19. The Bucs went right back at them. And then it was like, okay, it's – but I agree with you to the original point. Yes, Giannis needs to be there. I don't know if it's a load management thing here. I think the Drew Holiday comment after the game where 
he talked to Giannis and was like, hey, we got you. Like, if you mm-hmm. need more time, yeah. like, we have you. Like, I think that was a really, like, impactful moment. Like, there was a lot of great quotes. The Pat Content quote after the game made me want to run through a brick wall. Um, but, like, that quote that Holiday had, I felt like was really impactful because who knows? that Maybe Giannis was ready to gut it out. And Holiday was just like, hey, dude, I think we're good. Like, I think this is, we have a good team. I think we're we're all right. Take a couple more days off and get ready for for Saturday. I don't think that he's he's going to miss Saturday. I think yeah, if he misses either. Saturday, then we have a problem on our hands. I really do. I I think yeah. then it's like it's time to push the panic button because if this guy was questionable on Wednesday, uh, halfway through the day, and now he's not going to play on Saturday, then what the fuck is going on? And we need, yeah. we kind of need more answers, even though we know the Bucks are red China. Yeah. Well, every team is these days. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, however, the Kawhi, Kawhi knee injury out of nowhere uh, Thursday night. Yeah, right. Terrible. Um, yeah, so, right, if he doesn't play Saturday, I think we have a little more of an issue. And, and but, I mean, load management, is, I guess, was the wrong term. That was the uh, the buzzword. No, um, I got, I got, I think just more of like, more of like, yeah, we can get by without you. I just, I hate that. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? And, and they did. And yes, if he doesn't play Saturday, you got a little bit more of an issue. And I will say that I got a little excited when he went from doubtful to questionable that it's like, oh yeah, you know, we've seen this before. This is what is going to happen. You know, he's playing. They just don't want to say probable. Uh, They want to keep the competitive edge a little bit. And um, then he's ruled out. And I happened to be watching the local news, I think, because it was like right at six o'clock. They showed some footage. I mean, he he didn't look like he was walking normally, um, you know, in the tunnel. So, I don't know. Definitely favoring it or whatever. Um, but it just seems like it is a pain tolerance thing, fortunately, that um, it's just a matter of how good is he going to feel by the end of the week? Um, how much, I guess, treatment can you, can you, you know, ice or whatever yeah, you got to do. acupuncture and all the other stuff. Yeah. But it's not, as far as we know, it's not anything, you know, x-rays are all clean. It's, right. And, it's not a bruised tailbone or something like that, you know, where it's yeah. like, that's a four week injury for normal people. I mean, obviously Giannis, you know, not normal. Right. So it's like, maybe for him, it's, yeah. it's two, it's two or three weeks, but yeah, it's, it's not that. So it's just a matter of how much. And yeah, you're right. I, I did see the, I did see and hear the holiday quote that, you know, and that's the thing is like, Giannis is going to, going to force his way onto the court. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, as far as Wednesday, Wednesday's game, it's, I, again, I was a little bummed, but I kind of, I kind of understood like if it's not good and, you know, especially when I saw him walking, it's like, all right, well, if you get by with, get by one more game without him. Um, you might you might get lucky here and uh or not lucky but you know i mean just right survived and um got him you'll you'll have a full four or five days off by the time saturday comes and and uh and hopefully they're able to to take one or maybe both in miami yeah absolutely and i i think you know, the Bucks ability to play on the road is something they were really good at in the playoffs. They've they've shown that time and again and they're gonna have to show it again, you know, Saturday and Monday. 
think they get an advantage. I said it on the pod yesterday, they get an advantage on when these game times are from a fan perspective. Saturday night in South Beach isn't exactly, I don't think asses will be in the seats for that. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but they really weren't that engaged last week for the playing game. Does it mean playoff time they're all in and ready to roll or are they, are they going to be, you know, kind of that Miami crowd where if they're playing well, they're into it, but they're not, it's really not that hard of a place to play. We'll have to see. Uh, Pat Connaughton had an awesome, awesome game on, on game number two. I think all of us weren't really expecting Pat Connaughton to revive sort of what he had in 2021 like that um, because he's been really bad all year. But I thought the Marcus Johnson quote um, during the game was really interesting where Marcus was like, yeah, in practice, he's been springy. He's bouncing around. Like he's looked really good. And it almost made me wonder like, was Pat not healthy this entire year and then finally got some rest and sure enough, he's, he's kind of back to what he was, or is it just the playoffs just put changes, changes, attitude, changes, demeanor. And this is, this is what we should come to expect with content every playoff season. I think it's all that, but also like the fact that he did fall out of the rotation after being, you know, a, for, for lack of a better term, a key cog in that rotation for the last few years, I think that 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 may have um, sparked him a little bit, right? Like he was like, I don't know, very animated and stuff, um, more than usual. I mean, having having a really good time. Obviously, had probably one of the best games of his career in 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 a lot of ways. I mean, twenty two points. I I don't remember. Our, uh yeah, twenty two points, six of ten from three. I don't remember him um, being that. I guess involved, you know, he's hit some big shots, especially in 2021 in the finals Hit a couple, I think in one game, I think it was that game four against Phoenix. And, um, you know, but that was, I don't know that that's what I thought was, it was, this is my time to, to, you know, show, remind people that we're not, that we're still here and I can do this and I, I can be, because, you know, there are minutes, I think, for him, no I, question I think that about there, it. There are minutes for up for grabs. I mean, who knows what you're going to get from Grayson Allen? I mean, that dude is so up and down; it's mm-hmm. it's unreal. Wes Matthews is is done. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I hate saying that because you know there will be a time probably in this playoffs where we're all tweeting Wes in all caps on on Twitter and <laughs> and because he hits a big shot or something. But I just really don't. I'd rather not see him. Um, and that's kind of what Pat does. They do, they do similar things. And Pat's 10 years younger, or not 10 years younger, but five years younger, six years younger, and and probably more athletic. And I don't know, can shoot yeah, just as well. And and I think that there are that there is a spot for him. Yeah, and I hate to keep harking back to 2021, but one of the reasons why Pat stayed in the rotation for that run was his defense was there. His, and that did not show up this season. And just wasn't there. He looked slow. He was getting beat a lot and didn't happen, you know, in the playoffs. And we'll have to see, you know, as, you know, close games happen. Cause I, again, I think it's hard to judge a ton from game two, but yeah, if that Pat Connaughton's there, maybe not at the hundred hundredth percent, but even if we get 85% of that on a regular basis, the bucks are going to be extremely tough to beat because also too, as you mentioned about minutes, I think it just breeds competition. Like after yeah. Pat got going, 
I don't think it's a coincidence that Joe Ingles got going. And then after Joe Ingles got going, Grayson Allen got going. Like, I don't think that's like coincidental at all. I think it breeds the competition where it's like, you're all showing your coach, like, hey, I can do what Pat's doing. Like, just don't forget about me. And I think that's a good thing for the Bucks to have. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with using these guys interchangeably, you know, and, and feeding the hot hand. And that's what the Bucks did. And I think they did that all, all night. And I think that's a, another kind of thing to take away is it really seemed like they were focused on getting the guy who was feeling it shots. And I, I'm not saying that's something they always do. I think with Giannis, sometimes you forget, forget if like Chris is on a heater, Drew's on a heater, but, you know, Conton had his moments and then Brooke Lopez had his moments in the first quarter where they just fed Brooke and they were pounding it with him. And I think they're you're going to see that a lot because it's a, it's kind of a dealer's choice for Miami. If they make the adjustment, say, all right, we're going to double Brooke Lopez, then someone's open and mm-hmm. just got hit, just got to hit a shot. And, you know, I don't know if Miami will take that chance on a, on a regular possession by possession basis. Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, I mean, credit to the coaching staff for uh, pounding Brook Lopez down low in in the middle or in the in the beginning of the game. Kind of went away from it, but that was because the threes are falling, and right. I think that that those two things are related. That um, you know, surprise, surprise. If if you you know hammer the ball down low, it leads to open shooters on the outside, and you know, I don't expect the Bucks to make obviously 25 threes. No, uh, no. They might not make 25 threes the next three games. No, um, no, no, no. I bet I, I'll, I'll put a nice bet on the snow tap, the, uh, so that, the tabby, the keg casino that uh, they're, they'll make 25 threes in the next three. Just, games. just a running bet over under 10 and a half threes per game. Yeah. Why not? We'll just, we'll just kind of keep a tally. We it won't be for anything monetary. <laughs> yeah, just, maybe, like, maybe just watch it. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe a just shot, maybe it. a shot at the broad house when we, we reconvene, you know, for, for a game like that, that'll just be the the price price that we pay uh, for sure. it. But, but yeah, um, I think it'll be, a, I agree. It's not going to be 25, but if you start feeling it, like we kind of saw that in that Chicago series, right? Like last year in round one where yeah. they lose that, the game on and kind of similar. It's weird how it's a little similar, right? Like they lost the game number two, not game number one this time. Chris Middleton went down with an injury. They really didn't have much offense. Uh, people were kind of questioning the Bucks a little bit, and then they came into Chicago and blew them the fuck out in two games. Both games were not close, and they were hot. And a lot of it was great. Grayson Allen led. So I just wonder, you know. do they carry some of this over to Saturday? And yeah, maybe not again, similar to the content thing, not at a hundred percent of it, but could we see 80% of it and still see a very successful Bucks basketball team? Yeah. They only have to shoot, you know, I wouldn't even say league average, frankly. No, no. Um, I mean, just if you, if you want to, I think, you know, a, a good, uh, fulcrum would be game one. I mean, where, you know, I, I don't know. The Bucks were never really out of that game per se. They just, you know, Miami every time they needed a shot, they got a shot. And um whereas the Bucks couldn't seem to get a stop, but also clearly weren't I mean they, they ended up making what 11 threes I think in game 1. Yeah. So they I took that they took they 45 or something. So they yeah. only shot 20% when you know if they were at 30 you know, that's 
that's a yeah. different ball game. Oh yeah, you're right. They probably and, they probably and, win that game. Yeah. And you get sure. a, get a couple extra stops and you know along the way and maybe Kevin Love doesn't make four threes. I think Hero <laughs> before he got hurt had five or six or some bullshit and um you know who knows. And that was the other thing too was I don't know if if the Bucks just sort of overwhelmed and whatever but the role players were well, Gabe Vincent was a is going to be a pain in my ass. But yeah. um you know, Kevin Love was was a nothing. Bobby yep. basically. Spruce. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the way they bullied. I said that yesterday. I love the way they bullied everybody. But yeah. that's a that's a good point. I, I think that is something I think you'll see in game three again is basically let Jimmy Butler get his fine. Jimmy Butler can have 25, 30 points, but we are just gonna overwhelm the ever loving shit out of everybody else. We are not letting anyone else beat beat us because Simply put, they're not, they're kind of not on that level. Maybe Bam out of bio, but Bam, Bam kind of disappears. Like yeah, he'll, he's... he'll, he'll have a couple moments, but it's not, it's not like a full game for Bam usually. It's kind of hilarious how streaky he is with that, like free throw line jumper. Yeah. That, that is going to be there. Like he couldn't miss down the stretch of game one and really didn't do anything in game two. I don't know what his line was, but. He just it, didn't seem. No, he like, had that. He had that dunk when he flexed on everybody. You know, yeah, when, it, they, were, when they were down twenty-five. <laughs> right. Yeah, he had eighteen and and six, eighteen and five. Ah, uh, yeah, and that was quiet. And it, let's your point. Like you didn't know he kind of was out there. Like he just he was just kind of meandering. And I think that's credit to what the Bucks were doing. He he had sixteen shots in the game and. Only five rebounds, did not block a shot, um, only one assist. Like, yeah, night and day, you know, in terms of shutting shutting down Bam. Struess only had four shot attempts, you know, the entire game. Uh, as you mentioned, Gabe Vincent, he still missed five threes. Like, he shot nine of them, but, and he made a couple. But, like, he did miss five threes. So, there was, you know, there was different stuff. Now, the Oladipo angle is interesting, right? I think if you're a Heat fan and you're trying to take, like, Things to be happy about after game two might be the might be the Oladipo minutes, 15 points, but he also shot a lot. Like he shot 13 times. He, you know, it's not, I don't know if you want it to be Victor Oladipo time at this stage of his career. So yeah. I, I'm not, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly worried about Victor Oladipo having like a Pat Conson like game in Miami, even if role players do tend to show up, you know, in their home gyms. Yeah. And that's the thing about Miami is it's really a kind of a one man band uh, with Jimmy Butler at this point, um, offensively anyway. You know, it's not really. Caleb Martin probably scares me more than. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson again. You know, has struggled with a shot for a long time. Um, four for six the other night. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that though. Per my friend, Charlie, I'm telling and, you, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, it, he could very easily be one for nine, you know, um, on Saturday, but we'll see. Um, you know, yeah. Lowry's Lowry's nothing. He's, he's a flopper and a, and a charge taker. Yeah. Screen set. Oh, well, yeah. Lowry, uh, Lowry got into it with Bobby Portis, and also there's a uh, a Bobby Portis 
Brian Portis revenge game, FU game potential on Saturday too, as he doesn't get six man of the year. I it's a little hot take of me, and I know I've been a little slanderous toward Bob, but and I love Bob. I don't think he deserves six man of the year, Mitch. Um, no, I, probably not. Like I know all the fans were mad, I had a couple group chats mad, but like he didn't deserve it. That does mean that we still can't see like Bobby going for twenty five on 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 Saturday because he's just he's pissed off and wants to send a message. Um, and I I don't worry, I do slightly worry. Just play within himself, you know. Don't try to force it like we kind of saw early earlier this season. Just play within the in the offense. But yeah, I. I'd imagine we see a good Bobby game, just kind of like we saw with Brooke Lopez after not winning defense player of the year. So if the NBA keeps one of snubbing us awards right before we play. I'll I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, when do they announce the MVP? Is that next uh, round? Uh yeah, I think it's next round and it can't come soon, soon enough. Um, you know. I, I have one more question about the Bucks um for you. And it's like it's like it's like when the election's over. Like, <laughs> God, I just can't stand hearing about this shit. Oh yeah, and that's just started for us in 2024, man. It's just no. it's it's only just begun, as they say. Um so I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod. We certainly talked about it uh privately about how it sucks kind of to play the heat instead of the Nets, who are winning with a Tony Brothers masterclass uh tonight as we tape. Um oh, yeah. like Tony Brothers was so bad on game one against the Bucks and Heat. And we usually don't do this during the pod, but like, oh my God, like this is fucking incredible. Um, he's somehow worse. I, I just truly cannot believe it. Someone stop Tony Brothers. Um, but anyways, so we mentioned like, oh yeah, it sucks playing the Heat because we could play the Nets or the Hawks. Like those would easily be, you know, easier opponents, quote unquote, for the Bucks. And we probably are up 2-0 against either of those teams at the moment. But let me ask you a question. Do you think it kind of helps the Bucs going forward that they have all these games against the Heat? Whether it's five, whether it's six, whether it's seven, do you think like in the long run it's actually going to help the Bucs and hurt maybe the Sixers and Celtics that they had a cakewalk early on in, in the playoffs? Ooh. Well, yeah, that's – I guess – I mean, injuries notwithstanding, of course. Yes, I yes, mean, yes, yes, yes. You're, yeah. you're definitely, I think, in a Miami series, a little more likely to get to get in, as we've seen. Yeah. Um, to have injuries become a factor just because of of how much of a motherfucker they are. Yep. Um, and how physical they are, and you know, compared to some of these other teams, I mean, I think it does. I think, I think it does. Would you look at the Bucks in 2019? They had to face a Detroit team in the first round who was fucking horrible. I mean, you had Reggie Jackson masquerading around as like the second best player on that team, a broken down Blake Griffin, who, you know, it remains unclear if he was actually hurt or just sort just of sandbagging. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and Thon Maker was on that team. People forget. Uh, yeah. In Detroit. Yep. And he got, he got dunked on a couple times cause he didn't want to be here anymore, which, you know, <laughs> I suppose what comes around is all around. Um, and then you had uh, Boston in the second round that year, who was, you know, well-documented with Kyrie. We actually, people forget the Bucks got blown out, blown the fuck out in game oh, one yeah. at home. And Paul Pierce said it was over. And thankfully 
the Bucks won four straight and against Boston, and it was it set up the matchup with Toronto, who, you know, we all knew was going to be a just a nightmare because of Kawhi, and sure enough, it was. And we're not going to, you know, recap that whole series. But and can I, can I interrupt real quick? Or are you, you going to get to it? I'm just about done. Uh, yeah, you know, no. so you had Toronto, and then, um, so. I don't know. I mean, they, they kind of had an easy, easy road. And then I, I don't know how much that helped, you know, help them overcome adversity in 2019. Um, so, you know, facing, facing a, a tough competition, a team that just went to the Eastern conference finals last year and was a shot away from going to the finals. You know, I think it helps, especially because the second round this year, you're probably going to be taking the Knicks or the Cavs. I mean, I'd rather face either of those teams than probably the heat. To be honest with you. I was gonna add on your onto your Toronto point. They had a seven game series with Philly. That was an absolute war. That came down to Kawhi Leonard right. uh, b- bouncing the right way. And while I think back then you probably pulled the pods, we were probably like, "Oh, they're gonna be tired. They're gonna," be, and they were. Like the Bucks got up two zero in that series. They were damn close from being up three zero in that series. That's a another oh, yeah. conveniently forgotten about thing that double we, overtime we, oh yeah that I mean, that game was very close to going in the bucks favor and and the fact is is like yeah they're the raptors were pretty worn out and that that yeah that benefited that benefited in the long run uh but for the for toronto that is that they just had had all that tough tough battles and i will say too with if the bucks could just keep it up with the heat that that Cleveland Cleveland or New York's gonna come in battered or bruised. Those two games talk about wars. Like that yeah. that's that series is easily going six or seven as long as nobody gets hurt. It's gonna be grinded out basketball, first to a hundred type shit. Like that's that works in the Bucks' favor for round two. Yeah, it does. And also, you know, you have a tough series first round, then you get, in my opinion, maybe a little little easier and you know in the second round between the Knicks and the Cavs just from a probably well not a talent standpoint but like just uh experience you know, it's, it's experience experience right? yeah so it, it's, pretty it's, much I mean the, the Knicks the Knicks don't really have the experience I mean they haven't really been out of the first round uh same thing with Cleveland obviously we've talked a lot on this podcast that you know they they, they might not know what you know what it what it takes and you know, whatever, however long this goes with Miami, you know, it might be, I want to say an easy second round, but a little bit of a, you know, should something happen to somebody, I mean, maybe you get by, you know, you're not going right into Boston, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're not Philly. Yeah. You're yeah, for sure. I know. I, I agree. Absolutely. All right. To wrap it up game three, do you, do we see Giannis? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And do you do the Bucks win game three? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's close. I think it's going to be a fight, but I I think the Bucks pull away yeah. late. And this they could win. be, this could be your first game where both teams are under a hundred. Yeah. In this I, yeah. They it's been crazy overs. Um, the first two, I think the over under was two twenty both nights and have flown over it. Um. So yeah, this could be definitely a little more nitty gritty 
and you know kind of just whoever makes the most you know whoever makes a couple more shots in the fourth quarter wins I hate to sound very John Madden-esque but that that might be what you see see on Saturday I'm right there with you I agree on Giannis and yeah we'll just have to see um, we'll recap it on Sunday or I will um, on Sunday moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers uh the Milwaukee Brewers are continuing to win baseball games. They haven't stopped winning. Uh, they're going to win so much. Um, 13 and five start the year. Third best record in the major, in the major leagues right now. Obviously we know this probably is not going to last at this level, but, or is it sometimes baseball surprises you? Uh, and the Brewers have certainly surprised everybody uh, with the combination of solid pitching as well as a, a really solid offense, an offense that I don't think we've really seen since 2018, um, where they're just every night, it's anywhere from three to seven runs. Um, and it's, it's very consistent in that sense. So with obviously considering the Brandon Woodruff injury and, you know, some of the younger players, how, how do they sustain this? How, do, how is this something that the Brewers are able to look at, you know, around the trade deadline and say, all right, we can make a serious move because there's a window for us to potentially get to the world series. So I was just going to say, I mean, as long as, as long as the offense keeps it up, I mean, it's just, and I think they will, I mean, the run differential this year is uh, astronomical by, um, you know, I was going to say David Stearns era, Matt Arnold era, Brewer baseball. I mean, usually yeah. it's usually it's uh three, two, grind it out. Um, Got to load the bases in the ninth, which has become a problem lately for the Brewers, but yeah, they've yeah, slight they've, issue. Right. They've fortunately survived. Um, did it a couple times against Seattle, to, but swept them still for the first time since I was in diapers um, in 9th, September of 1989. Um, probably wasn't even wearing a diaper then. Who knows? Yeah, I think you still, I think you still wear a diaper as a small, a very small child. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, May you never find a baby in like a garbage can or something. Yeah, we, who knows what you would, you just drop that off at, at an adoption center. That would not be good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, offensively, um, just, you know, I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. I mean, you're getting, Seems like you're getting bounce back years from Brian Anderson. Uh, Winker's been 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 pretty good, right? Um, outside of missing a few games with illness, and um, I think he didn't he have something too in that also in that San Diego he, series that what, like a knee or something. No, he had an oblique injury because he was oh, coughing right. too much with the with the bronchitis. <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, so you know, I, I feel like the offense is just it, is primed for. And frankly, I, I don't even know if I'm worried in terms of like worried about making a move for a bat at this point. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Like, to, like crazy to say there's there's enough probably talent on the on the 25 man roster right now, which is crazy to say. But also, I mean, you got Sal Freelich and um, potentially coming up at some point uh, to to further sort of bolster the the youth and and he's he's also another one of these contact guys that you know we haven't really had so like yes. stuff like that leads leads me to believe that this offense can sustain 
Um, I know we talked about it in one of the group chats the other night. Uh, maybe an eighth inning guy is is yeah is a, is a move in play. Um, just because you know Matt Bush has been pretty good this year so far. I feel like he's last two nights have been good for Matty, but ever since they they have not. They've been he's given up too many homers for my liking. But continue. Yeah, and and I know Peter like he's been pretty solid. Your boy, my guy. Um, but how much do you trust that? Um, yeah, you know, and and I mean, maybe you know, don't say it too loud. But what if they went and got a closer? No, Adam Williams back to the eighth. No, 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 that's no. A stupid I idea. Think, no, I don't think it's a stupid idea. I like the idea of a closer. I was thinking exactly that. But you just have a closer as your as your eighth inning guy. It's the K Rod well, thing, yeah. right? It's the I Solomon Torres, yeah. and then it's you know the K Rod the eighth, and that was. You know, that's been something the Brewers have done before. I'm um, sure Craig Krimbrell's available. He's available every year. Yeah, but Krim, actually, Krimbrell's such a weirdo that he told the Phillies he can only pitch the ninth inning. Like, he's like, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an eighth inning guy. I'm just a ninth inning guy. Like, which is such psychotic behavior. But Well, that, uh, or, that, or, that or they did the hater thing where, right? you know, I mean – I love pitching the seventh and eighth inning, but I don't get paid unless I pitch in the ninth. That's right. That's what, that's you know. that's the that's the money inning. Yeah, I I think those are all good things. You know, in, in terms of sustainment, I mean, I think your point about contact, like Bryce Trang's a great example of this, right? Like it's one. Yes. You're down two one in the in on Wednesday Wednesday afternoon. He rips a single the other way, and it's three two. My my dad watches, I think, every Brewer game, and he's always adamant about, oh, go the other way, go the other way. And we didn't see that for so long. And everything just seems like they're focused on just hitting the ball where the pitch is thrown. They're not trying to pull it. They're not trying to be a hero. I think the only guy that kind of has that hero mentality a little bit is Luke Voigt and Weimer. I think both see, like, a big, big red axe, like, bulls, and they're just like, oh, me hit home run, me go far. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, but other than that, well, Luke Voigt's probably the biggest meathead in baseball. I fucking love it, though. Like, when is, <laughs> was the last time we had a meathead? I, yeah. I mean, shit. I, I don't know. Well, John would Jaha. you, is both, <laughs> yeah, Jaha, ja, ja, shut up. Uh, would you qualify Vogelbach as a meathead? No, because he's fat? too chubby. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's, he's fat. <laughs> like, he, he, there's a fine line between, as someone who knows who lifts a little bit, there's a fine line between being fat and being a meathead. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to be both. Yeah, you you just can't like pick a side. You got you can't you can't do both. And, and um, Weimer 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 kind of is. Yeah, we was a little bit of a hard on too. Like, uh, so yeah, I. I do think though they're to get back to it like they're yeah they're going the other way like Willie Domus I uh, Dom Sorrento had a had a thing yet yesterday or the other day when he homered to the other way that's his now second or third homer to the opposite field and he only had three of those last year which is crazy and I just really want to know like what happened last year like someone has to write the fucking book on what happened because. I mean, maybe maybe I'm the only one who'd read it, but I thought the if you didn't read Adam McCalvey's recap from the game on Wednesday, he has this whole thing about how Craig Council and the Brewers coaching staff was like, go have lunch with a teammate that you normally wouldn't have lunch with. And they talked about how great the experience was and how 
it was really enjoyable and they got to learn about these guys. And I'm just like, man, it's a different, like the, just the attitude, everything is fucking different. And it's like, how bad was it? Like, what, what did we not know about? Like, and credit to the brewers, I guess, for keeping it in house and not, not letting it leak out to the, to the media, but man, it, it had to not be great in that. Well, and here everyone thought council was out to pasture. Yeah, um, that's a great point. Has has, has really it it uh, I don't know the vibes are certainly different, and I I think a lot of it's the young guys. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, the hater trade last year clearly decimated whatever you know team morale there was. But I don't know who, who I'm trying to think who who would have been such. Renfro? Maybe nobody was a, an asshole. Well, maybe. I mean, you... I just think that like Renfro. You want to talk about a meathead? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, but also like a damn near mute. I don't think he talks, um, no. which you know, does, certainly doesn't do anything for any personality or camaraderie. I just think he's kind of there, right? And um, you know, Vogelbach was there to start the year, right? Yep. No, no, he was on Mets. We had, tra- we had traded him, I believe, or he we released him or something like that. I forget when. Oh, no, Vogelbach signed with, take the back, Vogelbach signed with the Pirates, and then the Pirates oh, traded, so him, two years ago traded, traded him to the Mets. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Christ, really? Two yeah. years ago. Goes goes um, by quick. Sure does. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it, it whatever it is, seems like a, like a pretty good pretty good mix, and that's a pretty good – Good call there to just, you know, I don't know, you know, a lot of the Latin guys probably stick together and eat together and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the Southern guys probably stick together. You know, a lot of the Cali guys stick together. And you had the, yeah, the Burns hater relationship and, you know, the bullpen guys stick together. I mean, remember back to Brent Suter, like at the end of almost at the end of the year, when the Brewers are like in the mix and Brent Suter's like, oh, yeah. We tried to, we brought like a pool table in and we're trying to, you know, do a little more team chemistry things. And it's like, why the fuck are you doing this now? <laughs> like, like, what, yeah. like what happened? And so I, I just think it's, maybe, yeah, it's, maybe people were tired of Brent Suter. Yeah, maybe, maybe he just got, he's talked too much about sustainability and was like, fuck off, dude. Like, I know well, this is bad for the, I'm kidding. It's a joke. Or just being a being a fucking goofball all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, potentially. But uh, I don't know what that gets you. Just, I mean, right. it's, it's cool for a while, but I mean, yeah. I think some some of the fans were about about had it. Yeah. Uh, to cl- to add on to your run differential comment, Brewers are fourth in baseball uh, behind the Cubs now, but they got to play the A's, which is playing a JV team. Um, well, so- that's the other thing. The Brewers have had a have had a pretty brutal schedule. Yeah, I mean, they have a, it gets really easy here, and that's I'm trying not to put the cart before the right? horse. Yeah, a little bit where it's like it's just like it looks really promising here for the next two weeks, and it's like keep stacking these wins because at some point, well, it gets really difficult after the Giant series. It gets really hard. You have a stretch where it's Dodgers who aren't playing great, but it's the Dodgers, the Royals, yes, bad. Then it's Houston, Tampa Bay. Um, so three out of four. You forgot, so. you forgot St. Louis in there. Oh yeah. Yep. St. Louis is in there too. Yep. So yeah, not great. And it's going to be, it should be an exciting weekend at the ballpark. Uh, you have, you have the Brewers who've scored 
95 runs so far this year, and the Red Sox, who scored 111. The difference between the Red Sox and the Brewers is the Red Sox have given up 108 runs, and the Brewers have given up only 60. So not exactly the creme de la creme of pitching in Boston. So we'll we'll just have to we'll have to see if, if that continues uh, over the weekend. Probably a lot of pro Red Sox. Gotta think there are gonna be people in the in the house um, for that. So hopefully not too bad though. And then the uh, the other question I had for you before we go on to the Packers. So I was having a thought about the fact that and this is nerdy chuck shit, but that the Brewers play at six ten right right as the Bucks are playing on on Saturday. Right, they have a giveaway that day. The whole thing. If you're the Brewers from a marketing perspective, why knowing the Bucks are good, like why don't you just preemptively schedule your Saturday games from like April to June? Just do three ten. Do you know how better like you know you know how awesome that would be to be like because of how the pitch clock oh, yeah. is like okay you can go see Brewers Red Sox in the afternoon get out of bar shuttle head down to that whatever bar you want to go to whether it's Jacks Browns who's and then you just go watch the Bucks. Like, I, I, the Brewers have done a better job with their marketing, but I think that's, like, the next step. You have to acknowledge that the Bucks are good and that people want to watch both. I know there are people, like my father, who will be on his way to Italy, so he won't be watching no matter what. Um, and thankfully, we, we aren't going to be in the car together when the games are on, or I would tell that old man, we're listening to the Bucks. Like, we are not listening to the Brewers. I will get the stream up for you. But we are not listening to the fucking Brewers in April. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so they, I remember for game six of the finals in 2021. Right. They, but that was a home game. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, I honestly wonder if it was a home game, would they, would they move it? Uh, uh, it's a home game. It's a home game this weekend. They, they are at home. No, I mean, the, the Bucks had a home game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They would. Yes. I think you're right. That's a good point. Yes. I, I do think you'll see that. And maybe, maybe they preemptively they do it. I mean, they've been a little flexible already this year. Like they already, for Saturday games, they're allowing an early entry time because the Giannis thing was a little bit of a disaster. They didn't say, all right, let's, you know, let's continue on. We're like, all right, we admitted the, the fault. We took the L. We fucked up here. You get two hours now before before entry, and so that's so you have that now. So as as someone who's most most likely gonna get gonna go tailgate for the Brewer game on Saturday, I'm kind of fucked because I ain't gonna be sitting at that baseball game during during a Bucks playoff game. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to figure something out. Uh, whatever, oh. if I gotta hop on a random shuttle and get, find a watering hole, that's fine. But yeah. Um, well, well, I'm not to... sitting at a at an April Brewer game and missing a single dribble of a Bucks playoff game. <laughs> well, but I a... I do want a tailgate because I haven't done that in ten years. So, yeah, yeah, um, no, no, for sure. Well, I I I'll have some thoughts for you after the game. I'm not going to be involved at all. I have a very right. interesting Saturday um, with a uh, drive down to Chicago, but that's another story for another time. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, we are less than a week away from the draft. By this time. Next week, you'll probably hear Murph and I talk about the first round and what happened in that first round. And instead of talking about players or what what Green Bay might do, well, we're talking about what they might do. But the question that I have for you, Mitch, is, you know, what are the positions that would make Green, you know, Green Bay Packer fans really happy? Where they're like, one position, just we won't do positions. One position that make them really happy, 
And then one position that they would be ready to just throw their TV out a window. Now we're going to exclude quarterbacks because that's the obvious answer. Of course, quarterbacks would make everybody mad. So we we will we'll, that's like a free space. That's your free space in bingo. What where would you go on? Uh, let's just start with the happy side of things. And this is just like the fifteenth pick, right? We're yes. talking early. Like yes, fifteenth pick. No Rogers. Just the the first round. I should probably clarify. Yeah, first round pick. Like what position where Packer fans are like, oh yeah, we're all in on this. I think tight end is probably number one in terms of fans would be, I think, pretty pretty pumped about that. Just because there's there's no obvious, you know, number one tight end really right now on the roster. Right. And I think, you know, there's some uncertainty at the quarterback position, I think, but we also have what we think is some certainty. Um, so, you know, just, just getting more weapons for Jordan Love and um you know, I guess I'd have to look at who's in the who's in the middle of the first round here. Oh, you'd have Dal- you'd have Dalton Kincaid, you'd have Michael yeah. Mayer. Um, That's the those U- are, Utah guy, right? Yeah, that those are kind of the two guys that I think would really, I think Packer fans would probably be happy with either. Um, honestly, I think Mayer. There's like the, I, there's always a lot of Notre Dame fans that kind of lurk around this area. I think the Notre Dame Packer connection is there, so there be there be some happiness. Um, and I think even with Kincaid, I think there still would be a lot of excitement too. So I think those are the two guys where you look at it and you're like, okay, I I think Darnell Washington would raise – I think people would be happy because he's a freak. He's six seven, He's 275 pounds. I don't really like him at 15. Like that that would cause me a personal meltdown because I'm just like – if especially if they, they didn't get Kincaid, they didn't get uh, Mayer, and they went for Washington instead, I, I wouldn't feel good about that. Now they got him – they trade it down, like let's say Will Levis falls and they they have the 15th spot and someone trades up to get a quarterback and Packers trade down, get more picks, and they get Washington like at 26, hypothetical, um, then I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I mean yeah, tight end well, I think would be yeah, would be at the top of the list. There are other ones, but I'll I'll leave those for you. Yeah, I um, think I honestly think that wide – I mean, obviously wide receiver, right? Like right. wide receiver, if Jack Smith New Jim is there, I think they're drafted him. Um, I think everybody has fallen in love with the idea of it. I don't think he's going to be there. I really don't. I just – they see too many avenues where the Texans could say, all right, we're drafting C.J. Stroud, and then we're going to draft Najimba at the 12th position. And we're basically going to do the chase and burrow. And that's how we're going to sell it through to our fan base. And that's, that's great. They're going to print money doing it that way. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's actually fairly smart. Now that you think about it, I mean, I'm not saying that'll work. It probably wouldn't right. be, Oh, <laughs> uh, that probably, that probably wouldn't work like Cincinnati. Right. Uh, just in my opinion. I mean, Joe Burrow was pretty generational coming out of coming yeah. out of college. I'm not yeah, sure no. CJ Stroud is no. really has that type of pedigree. No, but, no. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's that is because of that success. You'll probably see that happen a little more often the next few years. Yes. So, I, and Justin Fields has pined for pined for it too. That would be a nightmare scenario if you want to talk about that. Not necessarily meltdowns, but like if he goes to the Bears, that would be bad. But the Bears would be so dumb. Like Fields got sacked the most out of any quarter. Like. 
generationally bad offensive line last year for the Chicago Bears. Like they have to draft a line. They can't not draft a lineman and and everything like that. So yeah, if, true. If we move to a meltdown, I actually think the one that would cause Packer fans the most heartache or most like frustration would probably be cornerback. But I actually would defend it if they did do it. That's what uh, I was I think, gonna say. It was corner. Honestly, I, I, oh well, okay. Let's let we'll give you corner. I'll pick. I have. I'll. Have, I have another answer. Um, I always do. Uh, well, let's just, talk. I mean, yeah, no, they, uh, took, they took Stokes, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Jair is, we think, pretty good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Which, I, which I think if you're going to defend the corner position, I think you'd, you'd probably take a crack at Jair just because of his theatrics last year. Um, that was, you know, I, I don't know. I think, he, I think he cleaned it up a little. but uh, And then you have Rasul Douglas. I mean, I just feel like there's 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 enough depth there that I don't know it, it is kind of one of those positions where you could always use an extra one right I mean mm-hmm. but yeah I, I I think people would would shit themselves my only defense is it's a really good corner draft in the first round like whether it's Christian Gonzalez from Oregon whether it's Joy, Joy Porter Jr. from Penn State like there are good corners in this draft and Eric Stokes is probably not going to be ready to start the season. It seems like his ankle injury is really fucking bad. And if it's like, actually, if they do draft a corner, I didn't think it's actually worse somehow. Like I, I think it's, it, it's not good. Um, So that would actually give me some pause, but I agree on that meltdown. I also think offensive tackle would cause a meltdown. Offensive linemen always do. But I don't really see it as a need. Like, I look at what the – like, do they need one maybe fourth round, fifth round? I think you always can use extra offensive linemen. But you have Bakhtiari, you have Nyman, you have Zach Tom. I might be forgetting somebody. I think I am forgetting somebody. And, like – Yeah, Elton Jenkins, who can play some tackle. Like, why do you need to draft a tackle in the first round? Like, because they're going to be available. Like, Skaronsky – uh, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, like they're all going to get drafted right around where the Packers pick. So I understand it's an easy, like, check the box. Oh, best player on the board, but they don't need a tackle. So I think I don't want them to draft a tackle. Like, I, I think I'd be more upset if they went offensive tackle than maybe any position, honestly. Like, I, I mean, the quarterback would be extre- would be very, like we already said, it's a free space. We'd all be pissed off about that. But if they went with the tackle, I just – I get the idea of you can never have enough offensive linemen, but I just think the Packers have other depth concerns that they need need, need to handle. I mean, interior offensive linemen, you could you could probably sell me on, but I don't know if there's, you know, are you taking someone at that position no. at the 15th overall pick? I Lord, I hope not. No, that's actually, um, yeah, that's, that's even worse. Like, yeah. If you trade down, maybe like I, I could, I could understand that, but yeah, no, no, thank you to uh, like a mid guy, but yeah, no, there that's, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of that. I also love, you know, just with mock drafts. I love how everybody's just predicting trades now. Like they're just getting in the trade machine. Like they're Bill Simmons. Right. Like, I mean, come on guys. Like it's, it's, it's just so hard to like under, to know what will happen. 
and that sort of thing. But yeah, it sucks. Like I feel like you can never win looking at a mock draft because no, oh, it's either it. it's either yes, uh, projected trade or you know this is not based on team needs. Um, I guess usually by this point it is. You know, yeah. a lot of the mock drafts would you get a couple weeks out, they tend to narrow down. But you know, if you're looking at it in uh december let's say mm-hmm. you know you're the you're the bears right you're bad you're getting excited for the draft already you're looking forward to it but all the mock drafts you look at have you getting the number one pick and taking a quarterback or something because you know that's just that person's you know draft board and you know of course they're not gonna take a quarterback because they believe in their guy so far and um yeah, you just you can never win. And then yeah, you go down here. Projected trade. How the fuck do you know? I mean it's it's <laughs> exactly. it's, it's possible, but in fact it's probably likely. But I don't know. And then and yeah. then you also get you get like the silly season two where um fucking Maurice Jones Drew's draft, is that what this is? Go ahead. He has uh Anthony or what's his name? Anthony Richardson going first. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's something else. Um, that's that that's interesting. I mean, he did get, he did make a move in like Vegas where it's I think I don't know where he is now in terms of the odds, but at one point he was like plus nine hundred. So you never well, Bryce know. Bryce Young I, fell to three. I I think Indianapolis does probably move up. Oh yeah, no, I don't think Bryce Young falls far farther than two. I, unless unless there's a real concern about his size, I think I I will say it's like a specific player, but like if. The Packers draft Luke Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. Like I know Iowa has a pedigree of, of really good NBA of NFL players. Sorry, um, the NBA Keegan Murray. Uh, but the guy just all he does is bull rush. It's all potential with him. It's it's Rashawn Gary all over again. It's like why why unless you're really rebuilding, like that's not a pick I think the Packers should make. And the rebuilding, and it's, it's Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, Adrian Hutchinson had a good year, man. Yeah, he had like, didn't he have like eight interceptions or something? Yeah, he's something nuts. I do love. I saw, I saw someone say how the Lions, which they are because of just how the the NFC North has played out, and they're like, oh, the Lions, the NFC NFC North favorites. I'm like, Lions have no idea what's coming to them this year. I will tell you that right now. I had a good off season. They made some nice things, but like their schedule gets a lot harder next year. It's not. It's not going to be just right. you know, it, it that that's a easy fault that easy trap that people b- fall into is they're like oh sustained success and it's like no they just played an easy schedule for a, a year and they're going to fall down the hill again. Well, that's that's the magic of the NFL is you know it's not a balanced schedule. You you know you play seventeen games, you play certain divisions, and then you get what three games that are sort of wild card games where you're going to play teams that are in your, that finished in your same. So now, you know, instead of Detroit playing Jacksonville, for example, I know Jacksonville made the playoffs last year, but you know, you're they're They're going to be playing better competition. I mean, it's, it's going to be probably an adjustment for their fans. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, and I think they'll also get, you know, some primetime attention. But they have to go. Here's here are the places they have to go. They have to go to Dallas. They have to go to Baltimore. They gotta go to the Saints. I understand New Orleans might not be that good, but still a tough place to play. 
they have to go play the LA Chargers. Not like the hardest home home field advantage. Chargers are still pretty damn good. You got to go to Kansas City. You have to go to Lambeau. Those are all yeah. Those are all tough places to play. Like that's that's not easy. And then at home, you you know you have a Broncos team that's going to be improved. You have the Raiders. You have you know two with the Vikings, two with the Packers. Like yeah, man, it's it's not an easy schedule by any any shape of the imagination. Raiders might be pretty bad, but we'll see. You think the Raiders are going to be bad this year with Jimmy G? I mean, are they going to be good? Probably yeah, that's not. true. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. Yeah, year two, Josh McDaniels. I don't think I don't think you're expecting you're expecting a ton. So yeah, it's it's still early. We'll we'll also see if Rogers gets moved in this next week. I don't think so. I don't know. I I don't know what the fuck. It hasn't happened on. yet. I don't know why it wouldn't. Why it would happen in the next week? I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, as Andrew Brandt says tirelessly and all the fucking time, deadlines spring action. So, you know, it's like, all right, maybe the Jets finally soften on their deal. I, this is probably a discussion for a longer time, but I, I don't know if I could actually have Rodgers go to San Francisco. Like, I don't know that from a, just overall feeling like that. There's a lot there. I, I don't even know if I'm really ready to talk about it. Like, I'm not not as dramatic as our good friend Murph, but it's that one is a really tough one to swallow. They wouldn't trade him to the Niners. You don't think so, Eddie? I, 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 I feel that way. I just want to sound it out. I, I think you're right. I don't think they, they would. I don't, I don't think they would do that unless they got a fucking king's ransom. And I don't know. And I don't think the Niners have that. The they, Niners they, don't they, have they that. Gave, they exactly. gave up. A, they gave up a bunch for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, the tennis, the Tennessee one would be interesting if and somehow, if, if well, oh yeah, I mean well. The thought would be is that, yeah, they trade Trey Lance and then they give up whatever they got for Trey Lance, assuming they'd get something back, they would send that to get Aaron Rodgers. But the Trey Lance rumors have been wild. There was a Trey Lance, Craig, uh, Kirk Cousins stuff. I saw a Trey Lance for Mac Jones, um, you know, as almost like a straight up deal. Like, yeah, we who knows what, what's going to happen there with, with that. It's That's easily the most intriguing subplot I think heading in besides Rodgers like that's the one that you wonder the most and just how how it'll all shape up with the quarterback right. what the what the, what the Niners and Rodgers is related it's yeah it's what the Niners want to do at quarterback yeah I don't think it really matters for them honestly no no it's it's just it's it basically they whoever they get it's like a washing machine like it's all system that's where I think Rodgers and Kyle Shannon would be a disaster together and I think the Niners know that a little bit too I, I think I just think they hate each other. Yeah. Agreed. So. All right. We will be back next week. We will have more books playoff games under our belt. We'll uh hopefully Brewers keep it growing. Maybe a little more clarity on the draft stuff and who knows what else. Uh anything else for the people, Mitch, before you before we ride out? I don't think so. Just uh yeah. Go box, I guess. And um Brewers keep it rolling, and fucking NFL yep. draft is going to be wall-to-wall here probably yep. next week. Yep, and uh, and we still uh, we still are in search of our uh, suburban spot. Um, was Brass Monkey yeah. was good job, good effort. Um, was fun, you know, had some had some nice qualities, but had some qualities that really wasn't looking for um, in a suburban outfit. I will say that the 
uh, one of the bars by my house, Baylor's, which I've been told by multiple people is a weird spot. My father, another old guy, um, did have Fear to Deer on their like stanchion. So I, I feel like I'm obliged to at least check in. But I also want to do it in a non-Bucks moment just so I, I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. Well, we will figure it out. The search yeah. continues. Absolutely. Got to love that old guy behind Brian Anderson, you know, wearing a jersey um, at age 60. That's that's incredible. Um, but I don't guys, know who that was. 14 no, you, for USA. I, I don't, I mean. it, might, it might have been staff probably, I would assume. So, all right. Good sign for us to, us to get going. We'll uh, see you Sunday after game number three. Take care and have a good one. Bye. Peace.